And welcome to this episode of PI Perspectives. Before we jump into the show, I wanted to welcome Nikki McKinnon Marler from Dell Point back because we've got some new searches that we want to talk about. So we have three new searches that we just launched: um, standard person search, okay. standard relative search, and standard reverse phone search. All of these searches are a dollar each, and this is just a quick put your information in, get the information you need and go. You're not going to get a report. You're not going to get excess information. If you put in for the person search, you're going to get address, phone number, and email address. Okay. Put in for relative, you're going to get degrees of separation, the relative names. This is a really good one for alternate addresses, um, identifying additional sources, I mean, anything you need for relatives. Right. And then the reverse phone search, that's really cool because you just take a phone number, you plug it in there, you get associated names alternate phone numbers, email addresses, addresses. So it's just the quick information. It's none of the extra stuff that you may not need. Awesome. And uh, when is this stuff coming out? It's out. It's, it's out. out there right now. All you right. Can log in and run it right now. And, um, and we've got the free trial for right. PI Perspectives podcast members and viewers. So PIP for PI Perspectives 2021. PIP 2021 at DelphPoint.com. I love that you guys are always doing new things and always pushing the envelope to make a way for the users to, to get what they need with staying in their budget, I guess is good. good right. uh, yeah, we try to do a it. lot of different different options. So we have some things that are $20. We have some things that are like the, a dollar. Right. We keep it, make sure that you can get the information you need with the budget that you have and meet your needs. We got some new stuff coming out in the next couple of months too. So. All right. Well, you just have to come back on again and <laughs> tell me about it. Anytime. <laughs> My co-host, Nikki McKinnell-Marler. I love it. That's <laughs> fantastic. Anytime. Folks, if you are not using DelPoint, please get in touch with Nikki and give them a, 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 a shout and find out what, what's new and what's going on in there. Uh, as you know, I always say you got to have multiple um, databases in your uh, toolbox. And this is definitely one that I use. Uh, more so and for more things than I thought I would ever use it. The Delft One is quickly becoming my go-to. So thanks, Nikki, for coming on and bringing us up to date. Go to Delft Point. Give me the uh, the website one more time. Delftpoint.com, D-E-L-V-E-P-O-I-N-T.com. Uh, right. Promo code is PIP2021. And if you want to call us, you can do 866-945-1667. Awesome. So there we go. Crosstracks case management system. That is what we are talking about today. Are you using a case management system? What are you waiting for? If you don't use a case management system, you really need to look into implementing that into your business regimen. I've been at it with Crosstracks now a little over a year, and it's just been a game changer for my business. They are SOC 2 certified, SOC 2 Type 2 certified. If you don't know what that means, it means that they're encryption system is second to none and you have to go through a whole screening process to figure out uh, if you can even qualify for that and they have so you know with certainty your data is being protected i don't think there's another case management system out there that offers that same ability to have the SOC 2 type 2 certification as you guys know i've been uh, you know singing the praises of crosstracks and uh, i really believe in this product and i believe you should check it out Contact Brad, contact Pat, uh, one of the team members over there, and see if it's right for you. Cross Tracks Case Management System, check it out today. Welcome to PI Perspectives. Today, we have a very special show. We invited James Caliano back to the show to discuss the horrible events that took place on February 2nd in Florida. Today, we honor special agents Dan Alfin and Laura Schwarzenberger. These two agents bravely laid their lives down to protect the children of this country. 
So Jim brings a career's worth of experience in planning operations like the one that took place on February 2nd. So please welcome James Galliano and our host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome everybody to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. This week, I want to do something a little bit different. I reached out to uh, Jim Gagliano, a good friend of mine, former FBI, CNN uh, analyst, and we wanted to talk about what happened in Florida on the 2nd of February. So Jimmy, I want to welcome you to the program. How are you doing? Maddie, always good to join you. And uh, I wish we were I wish we were getting together under different circumstances, but there's nothing more important than what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, we're, we're doom and gloomers, man. Whenever we're getting on, <laughs> on the phone together, something yeah. bad has happened or something nasty is going on. Um, I, I'm of the same ilk, right? Let's uh, let's hang out and not have a catastrophe at some point. Uh, so the, the last time we spoke to you was not quite a year ago. It was probably about 10 months ago when COVID was just hitting. Um, and we were talking about um, being a police officer and how you deal with that and, and trying to stay alive and, and uphold the law at the same time. Um, and a lot has happened. Uh, a lot of really crazy stuff has happened. Um, what has been your focus for the past uh, 10 months before we dive into Florida? Wow. You know, um, I, I think from a law enforcement and a security perspective, um, we look at what we call the threat matrix, right? We look at things and say, what should we be anticipating to get out in front of whatever the next threat is going to be? We don't want to be in a reactive posture. We want to be proactive. And Matt, you and I talked before about, you know, everything from some of the mass shootings that were taking place back in 2017 and 2018 and 2019 to some of the bombings and terror attacks. We talked about the use of drones and how law enforcement was dealing with that. We talked about 3D printers and how that was going to shape the, you know, the gun industry or the illegal gun industry, all things we got to focus on. But I, I think you, you, you hit it right when you said the last 10 months, a big focus has been on how do we, how do we keep the country safe during a pandemic, the likes of which we haven't seen in a hundred years. Right. And then you add on to that, the violent extremism that's going on in both ends of the political spectrum. We obviously saw an example of it on January 6th with the Capitol riots, with right-wing extremism. We saw eight months of it in regards to social justice warrior or left-wing extremism. So yeah, those are the kind of things that we're focused on right now in the security and the law enforcement industry. Right. We, we got our hands full. Definitely. I mean, uh, you're one of the first people I thought about when uh, January 6th was going down. I'm like, wow, man, and Jim must be quite busy at this point in time. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's insane. And I think yeah. one of the big debates right now that's going on in, in Congress is what do we do about domestic extremism, right? You know, 9-11 happens and we put in place the, the, the Patriot Act and that allows us to listen in on any phone call and collect metadata, any type of digital exhaust from anybody, even a U.S. citizen right. that has a conversation with somebody who is a known terrorist or who has supported, provided material support or financed terrorism. Right. This is different. This is domestic terrorism, which means it's U.S. citizens. And what's happening is Maddie, it's, it's running up against the Fourth Amendment, which says, you know, that we have, you know, protections against 
unlawful search and seizures, meaning you have to have probable cause to listen to our phone calls, right. to go into our chat rooms, to, you know, to, to do any of the kind of intelligence harvesting that we need to interdict left of boom as opposed to right of boom. And man, this is going to be a conversation, Matt, that I feel is going to go on for the next decade. Yeah, I think longer. I think what's interesting is that there's no middle ground. Yeah. You know, you, people feel very strongly on both ends. And, um, you know, there's no bipartisanship. There's no any of that stuff, man. It just doesn't exist. Uh, and they feel very, very strongly about it. And, you know, listen, the word extreme is a problem. Yeah. You know, it, it, when, when uh, there's extremism, there's a problem, right? Um, look, brother, we just crazy. had the Super Bowl, right? And, and as I always say, the vast majority of us, we exist between the 20 yard lines. Right. It's the people on either end from 20 yards into the end zone on either end. Those really are the problems and the folks that, that we have to be concerned about. And yeah, you're right. It's something that we're going to be, we're going to be dealing with for, for a while right now. And hopefully we can, we can get people at least on the legislative side to work together to find some kind of bipartisan solution here. And you know what? There's no panacea. It's not like you can wave a magic wand and say we can do away with it because we exist in a country where we cherish our civil liberties. And if you want to make Jimmy Galliano in charge of martial law, Matt, I promise you I will keep everybody safe, but nobody wants that. We want to find that delicate balance the way the pendulum swings we want to make sure that we keep people safe, but at the same time, we respect civil liberties. And man, finding that sweet spot, Matt, that's that's the tough thing. Yeah, it's almost impossible because you, you can't please everybody all the time. You know, someone's always going to be offended by something. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of the things that makes this country great, but it's also one of the things that leads to a lot of problems. So, 100%. you know, I don't think we'll ever escape from it. So before we delve into the topic here, let's lay the foundation a little bit of your background. And, you know, you've been on the show before, but but we've got a bunch of new listeners since the last time you were on. So tell me a little bit about your background and um, how you got to where you're at. So I am the product of immigrants. On my father's side, um, my family were Sicilians. They came to the United States in 1905. And uh, as your listeners know, Ellis Island in New York, where immigrants came in between 1892 and 1943, that's where all the Italian and the Sicilian and, and the Irish and, and, and immigrants showed up at that time. And my family took kind of a crazy route. Instead of ending up in Little Italy, they ended up in Birmingham, Alabama. So there are literally more Gallianos in the Birmingham, Alabama phone book <laughs> than there are in the Manhattan phone book. On my mother's side, we've been here since just before the Civil War. Right. My mother's side was English and Irish. And I have a great times three grandfather that actually fought at Gettysburg for the New York State militia on the side of the Union. So, Amazing. yeah, it's... Uh, big military background, everybody. I think the only war since the civil war that my family missed out in serving in was world war one. We've covered everything out, you know, else. And my father was West point class of 60. I went to West point and graduated in 1987. My nephew graduated in 2013. Wow. So we have a, we have a lineage and 
I, uh, I spent four years in the army during the height of the cold war. And I left cause there just wasn't enough action. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, of course, of course, as soon as I leave and I go to the FBI, which I have no regrets about, I've had a very blessed career there, but all of a sudden, you know, the first Gulf war happens. And yeah. next thing you know, we're in a war posture for a long time, but I spent 25 years in the FBI served on, you know, organized crime squads, uh, drug squads, worked undercover, was a SWAT team leader, was a member of the FBI's hostage rescue team, served overseas in Afghanistan at the, at the beginning of the war on terror, um, Operation Enduring Freedom um, in 2002, um, spent time in Mexico as a legal attache for the FBI, a, a, a quasi-diplomat, if you will, um, and then I left the FBI and retired in uh, 2016. So, yeah, had a very blessed career, 25 years. Right. I am a teacher now. I, I, I'm an assist, adjunct assistant professor at St. John's University and a doctoral candidate in police use of force. So I'm in my dissertation phase right now. Um, and you pointed out what I do on TV and all that kind of stuff. But I just want to make policing better. I want right. to find a way to keep us safer and at the same time make sure that citizens feel like the police are working for them they're there to serve and protect and bridge that divide that's kind of my my second act if you will Matt. right yeah i, I laugh when you say retired because yeah, <laughs> you're one of the hardest working guys out there you know the thing that i love about you jim is, is it just the resounding voice of reason you know you're always up to have a debate and you're always up to you know defend your point with yep. respect um, and there's always just that hint, a voice of reason. Like, <laughs> I don't hate the guy. Like, I kind of agree with what he's saying, right? I try to do that. And it's hard. We, you know, Matt, no doubt about it. We live in divisive times. And yeah. um, I think what I found out, and I hate to say this because I spent my entire lifetime hating politicians. And I'm a politician now. I'm a, yeah. I'm a village <laughs> trustee in this tiny upstate New York village. But I always say that... Uh, you know, there's an old saying, it's impossible to hate up close. And people that have differences with me, I always say, let me buy you a cup of coffee. Or if your preferred beverage is a, an adult beverage, let me buy you a beer. Let's talk. Because if we sit down and talk, we're going to find out that we have far more in common than we have differences. And yeah. You know, as well as I do, social media is a difficult place to exist. If you're dealing in 280 characters on Twitter or on Facebook, it's just not the best way, which is why I like what you're doing, Matt, because if I'm on CNN, I get a 20 second soundbite here, a 30 second soundbite there, maybe 45 seconds here, long form stuff, podcasts, people then can't jump to conclusions. They can't yeah. say, well, you're this, because you get a chance to kind of fully flesh out an idea. Absolutely. And we, find, we find out we have more in common than we have differences. Yeah, no, it's a great format. I think, uh, you know, folks that do it properly, that, that you know, where it, it's not about me, it's never about me, right? It's always about the guest, it's, it's about the topic. And understanding that and getting that out and, and just being able to um, really drive a, a, a point home. I mean, I'm having a blast doing this show. I'm, I'm getting close to a hundred shows, uh, which wow. is amazing. Yeah. So, um, so it's always been a lot of fun to, to do this and by trade private investigators, we like to talk to people. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, if I had one, one thing in, in from, you could say about me, my obsession is just talking to people and meeting people. Uh, but again, this isn't about me. <laughs> this is about, 
um, having you on here today and, and talking about these two amazing, amazing FBI agents. Um, the more and more you, you look into who they were, you know, the more tragic it is. Um, and I want to talk about procedures. I want to talk about, you know, you're a doctor in police use of force, right? And policies and procedures. So we're going to dive into all that. So what I want to do is I, I want to take just a quick break. Uh, we'll hear from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we're, we're really going to dig into this. So everybody hang tight. And we'll be right back. SecureFBIDirectory.com is a global network of former FBI special agents who are active in the private investigation, security, and consulting fields. The Secure FBI Directory is the only directory in both print and digital formats founded by FBI special agents for FBI special agents. Special agents know firsthand how invaluable a directory is when looking for a professional located in a particular geographical area with a specific specialty. The Secure FBI Directory covers all continents except Antarctica and features over 80 specialties. If you are a former special agent now conducting private investigations or serving as consultants or security experts, go to SecureFBIDirectory.com to join this elite group of SA and become listed in its global directory. SecureFBIDirectory.com Are you overwhelmed with your current case log? Could you use some help with your skip trace assignments? With Merlin Locate Services, rather than adding staff, you can add an entire skip trace department of licensed private investigators who specialize in skip tracing. Check out MerlinLocate.com today. When you work with Merlin Locate Services, you bring on a valuable experience and trusted extension to your team. PI Perspectives. Today I want to talk to you about the Investigators Toolbox. Many of the folks who listen to this program actually have already signed up and have joined this online community for investigators and the investigative community. It's a place to go for networking. It's a place to go for continuing education, uh, watching webinars, doing your continuing education credit. It's a place also to read up on uh, the latest trends in the industry, stay on top of all the news articles. It's actually supported by some really, really great businesses that support our industry. They're offering discounts and benefits actually for your membership. And then the, the OSINT catalog, we've got a huge OSINT catalog that you can make your own private library. You essentially pick and choose what you want to be in your library, um, however you do your research. Check it out today. It's uh, www.investigators-toolbox.com. Listeners of the show, if you use the code PIP, 201836, you'll save an extra 20%. Investigators-toolbox.com. Go check it out today. Check out the PI Institute of Education at piinstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. The PI Institute of Education is a featured learning partner in the investigatorstoolbox.com. So check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. Congrats to show guest Chris Salgado. Chris dons the latest cover of PI Magazine and highlights CyberPol. The issue is available today. And welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Sperry, your host. I'm here with uh, Jimmy Gagliano, apparently from Alabama. <laughs> so, roll Tide or no? <laughs> well, most of my family are Auburn fans, but yes, I got I got a couple of 
outliers that are a Crimson Tide fans. So, yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, so um, we're, we're talking today about Dan Afflin, and we're talking about Laura uh, Schwarzenberger, two FBI agents uh, who tragically lost their life on the 2nd of February down in Florida. So why don't you um, give me your take on it, Jimmy? So um, first of all, you know, the FBI, Matt, is it, it's it's like law enforcement. It's like the security industry. Everything is six degrees of separation. So if you don't know somebody personally, you know somebody who knows somebody who knows them. So I didn't know either one of these, you know, young folks personally. And I say young folks. Um, I'm 56 and retired. Um, I think Laura it was 43. She's 43. Think, and Dan yeah. was 36. Yeah. Dan was 36. Laura had two young kids. Dan had a young son. Yeah. Um, I didn't know them personally, and and both of them were out of the Miami division, which is one of our field offices down in, uh, you know, down in Florida. We have 56 field divisions across the country. Um, all I can say is everybody that I've talked to, including folks, we're a family. Look, there's there are 36,000 police officers in New York City. You know, in New York City, mm -hmm. there are only 12,000 FBI agents worldwide so we're a we're a very small community so when when one of us is hurt or one of us bleeds or one of us is killed in the line of duty um as it is in all of law enforcement um we all palpably feel it it's it's a it's a visceral reaction so when i got the news that morning that 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 two of us had been slain three others had been wounded you take a step back and you're like okay what went wrong look you know, in law enforcement, we are dedicated to going into harm's way. Right. It's a dangerous business. And, 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 and I'm going to get back to, you know, what your question was, which was what went wrong? What can we do better? How can we protect people in the future? It's a dangerous business. When you hunt armed men, you know, when you hunt armed men and that's your job, um, you can do everything right, but the variable is the person on the other end. Yeah. And sometimes, no matter how much planning, no matter you know how much backup you have, no matter how much something has been researched and and scrutinized, and you know you've done surveillance on, and you've and you've you've got the perfect plan, you're dealing with an X factor. You're dealing with you're dealing with bad people. Right. In this instance. You had a guy who was a purveyor of child pornography. Now, in 25 years in the FBI, I stayed away from that violation. And I've seen man's incalculable inhumanity to fellow man at crazy levels. Sure. But I could never deal with crimes against children and that violation. The people that do that are a special breed. Yeah. It's just... I mean, it's just, it's just it's a sickness, it's man, just illness, it, it, it no, no other word. And, and, yeah. Right. And I get that. And I understand that, but you always look at that and you're like, well, you know, that's like a white collar criminal. Okay. It's some guy that likes kitty porn. It's, it's somebody who was an accountant to Al Capone who moved a couple of decimal places and stole some money. As I've always said, those are the most dangerous arrests. The ones where you're going in to get a, com uh, a committed criminal, a, a drug lord, a mafia boss, somebody who goes, I'm a bad guy, come and get me. You know who I am. I know you're coming to get me. Let's do our dance. Right. But these are different. And I always say because the vast majority of people that are purveyors of child pornography 
are leading a double life. So they are paragons of the community. They're pillars in the community. They're captains of industry. They're in charge of the PTA. They're the people that you would least think of that are doing that. So when they, when they're busted, when they get charged with that crime, with that violation, their world collapses around them and they do crazy things. They are, it's the X factor again. And that's why people that go, well, you know, you don't need a SWAT team for that arrest. It's just somebody that was sharing pictures of, uh, you know, vile pictures of naked children, but they're the ones that you really have to worry about the most. And, and Matt, this was a perfect example of that. I don't know about the tactics. Right. I, do, I did not see the op plan. Yeah. I can't second guess it because I haven't, even as a former tactical commander, but I understand. And I understand how these type of arrests where we're conditioned to go, yeah, the guy's going to put his hands up and you're going to take him into custody easily. And right. it's, it's not a violent violation but this is the kind of stuff that can happen. Yeah. I mean, you, I guess you got to be prepared for anything. And I have a, a good friend of mine who's uh, uh, works for the Yonkers, New York police department, and he's on the warrant squad. And you just, every time he, go, he gets called in or he goes to work, like I, I pray for him, man. I pray for him all the time because you just never know. Uh, to me, in my opinion, in law enforcement, that's one of the most dangerous jobs uh, because of that factor that we're just talking about. You just don't know until it's going down, you know, and um, desperation will cause somebody to do something that they probably didn't think they were going to do that day. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that gentleman didn't wake up that morning thinking he was going to, you know, injure five people. Especially when they're leading a double life where they're pretending to be something they're not. They're not the drug dealer on the corner that goes, okay, you caught me. I'm out here hustling crack. This is different. These are people that live in the suburbs. These are oftentimes, I, I don't want to paint in a too broad a brush. Yeah. They're people of means. They're people of influence. They're people that they're living this double life. So they're dangerous because when their world crashes down around them, they go, I got nothing to live for. I can't, I'm not. And, and, and here's the other problem, Matt. There is a hierarchy. There's a caste system in our prisons. Right. The lowest of the low are the rapists and the people that hurt children. Yep. So a lot of times these people have to be put in a special housing unit. They have to be, they have to be put in isolation. They have to be put in solitary confinement. And a lot of these folks understand that they're not going to go to the prison yard and hang out with everybody else and play wiffle ball and play basketball and, you know, do time and then get out. They're going to be put into a special administrative segregated unit right. and if they are ever put into general population those are the people that get killed they get beaten up because the prisoners that like i said there is an order there is i don't want to call it honor among thieves right. but there is a view that these are the lowest of the low all that all that calculus all those calculations have to go into it when you're going to make an arrest like daniel alfin and uh, lauren schwarzenberger did last week yeah so how much do you think that the, the current environment was an impact into maybe the, the way this person was thinking COVID being locked down for a year and, and, you know, the political situation that's here, the, the right to bear arms and the, and the right wing people that, that are extremist here. 
Have you heard any whisperings of maybe, you know, this person having that background? And we're not going to say name because I don't want to give this guy any kind of shout out or anything like that. But have you heard um, anything like that or that's a, a tie in at all or, or no? No. And, and I agree with you. And I didn't, I know the name of the guy as yeah. you do. And I certainly didn't mention his name because again, there's no need to glorify him. Ain't doing um, it. See, I thought you were going in the other direction. Um, did I think that there was possibly consideration given not to send too much of a presence on an arrest like this? I don't know that. Um, is nine months of, you know, ever since George Floyd was killed in, in Minneapolis on Memorial Day in last year, has the, the riots and the anti-police rhetoric and the demonization of law enforcement, has that played in? And I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to know that that was any part of the calculus here, right. because people are worried right now in law enforcement is too much of a present, something that triggers um, it's a legit concern right yeah now. it's yes. a legit concern absolutely. so and i'm not going to suggest that i know that and that's what factored in here because i've seen arrests of of people like this person that 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 alfin and schwarzenberger and the rest of the crew there in in sunrise went to arrest i've seen small teams go to do this but it's certainly a consideration because militarization of police police brutality. Um, look what happened with the Roger Stone arrest a couple of years ago. The FBI sent everything. The kitten caboodle sent yeah. the entire stuff out there. And I got it because I understood what the stakes were. And yet people were critical of the FBI for sending a tactical team and helicopters and all that stuff. So it's Waco all over again. Do I think that factored in, yeah. Matt? I don't. But I mean, it's certainly something we should be thinking about and considering going forward. Yeah. So, with your background, Jimmy, and 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 you know, I guess the fact that you've you've sat in on these plannings and and been a part of um, you know these operations, walk me through how that works, right? Walk me through how they first get some information about somebody potentially doing something, leading up to knocking that door down. What what is the the procedure and how all that happens? So you want to get a little bit wonky here, right? So I'm gonna, <laughs> all right. So this is going to be wonkiness. So uh, as a tactical commander, let's suggest that, you know, I'm the senior team leader of the New York SWAT team in, in, in the FBI's New York office. There's 1,200 FBI agents in New York City. There's a SWAT team of 52 guys. And um, how does that happen? Well, the case squad, the person that had this, this, this case, I don't know if it was Special Agent Alfin. I don't know if it was Special Agent Schwarzenberger. I don't know if it was somebody else, but somebody on that squad that had that case would then go to their supervisor and say, went to the, you know, whatever district it was down there in Florida, the Southern District of Florida, I, I believe it is. Um, and we've got warrants for the arrest of, of the guy that we're going to leave nameless right now. Mm -hmm. um, the bosses then look at it and say, well, what do you think? Is there any propensity for violence here? Is this person known to have, you know, committed any violent acts? Has this person, you know, does he have a criminal record? Do we know that this person has a cache or stockpile of weapons? All that stuff is done preliminarily on the squad. Once a determination is made that, yes, this rises to the level of a tactical resolution arrest, then somebody from the squad would go to the SWAT team and say, 
we've got an arrest that we want you to be a part of. Now, in this instance, it doesn't appear that there was a SWAT team used for this. I'm not going to second guess that right. because I didn't do a workup on the on the on the perp beforehand. And you know, people that don't have criminal records, as you know, Maddie, can snap and do crazy things yeah. and do violent things. Yep. So you can do all the planning and preparation and due diligence and something can go wrong. Now that'll all be fleshed out when they, when they go back and they do a review of this entire deal. But if there was any idea or inclination that something bad or something sideways could have happened here, they would have gone to the Miami SWAT team. The Miami SWAT team is a capable, good SWAT team. And they would have had them make the arrest. They didn't feel like it rose to that level and, you know, you got a guy who used a doorbell camera to track them coming in, who had a long weapon and who just decided, as I said at the top here, I got nothing left to live for. I'm going out in a blaze of glory. And that's what happened. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm sure there'll, there'll be a whole investigation and they'll, they'll get to the, uh, to the bottom of this and, you know, who knows, maybe procedures will change. Um, yep. You know, you almost feel like they have to uh, just the way the culture is these days and things are just, uh, you know, spiraling the way they're spiraling. Um, I, I would say, you know, rather be safer than sorry would probably be the way yeah. we're going to go here. And, uh, you know, it's really un- unfortunate these these people, you know, had to, had to pay the sacrifice there. Um, and it, it is, man, like doing that type of work, working in a, in a, a crimes against children, I don't know how you do it, man. I like, I'm a father of four. I could never do it. Couldn't do it. I could, yeah. I couldn't either. Everybody thinks I'm a tough guy. And I'm like, you know, my wife worked some of that when she worked for the County in, in, in Orange County where I work, where I live in uh, New York. And I always say all the time, she's tougher than me because I couldn't look at those things. It, it would, it would, I, I don't think it, I don't think anybody that looks at that because you have to look at that in order to make a case, whether you're a prosecutor or whether you're an investigator. I don't think anybody looks at that and can't be affected. And I think I came to grips a long time ago with man's incalculable inhumanity to fellow man. And I've made peace with that. I understand that that's just the way of the world. When things happen to children, Matt, I, I don't know if I can handle it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's rough. Even when when I do my investigative work on uh, personal injury claims of children, yeah, like drownings, burning, stuff like that, man, it is the hardest work ever. And I've seen some gruesome stuff, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to the children stuff, forget it, man. I'm like, uh, it it, it, it changes you, yeah, and it it's just does. it's it's difficult. I, I've got I've got a lot of respect. I think. In law enforcement, and I'm going to take a shot at the industry or the, I shouldn't say the industry, the profession writ large. I think we look at people that work white collar crimes or crimes against children. I think we look at those people like, well, they're not tough. They're not on SWAT. They're not working violent crime. They're not kicking in doors, working bank robberies or La Cosa Nostra or violent street gangs. Yeah, It takes a special person to be able to to pursue these monsters. And that's what they are. They're monsters, just like this guy who shall remain nameless on this podcast, Mm -hmm. just like that guy um, was a monster. And unfortunately, you know, is this gonna change things in the Bureau? I, I think it might. I think it might change things in law enforcement from the perspective of looking at things and going, 
that's a SWAT arrest. That's not a SWAT arrest. And I know it's difficult right now because of the demonization of cops and the, you know, the criticism of the over-militarization of police. So it's a fine line we have to walk. But I think this is going to change how we handle, quote unquote, ordinary arrests. There are no ordinary arrests, as you know, because when you are going to take away somebody's liberty, um, somebody's freedoms, and you're bringing them to face justice, you never know how people are going to act. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. So, I mean, so, so do you see this going forward then uh, as, as a real um, change in procedure? Uh, almost like we have to because of, of, you know, how we're evolving as a society in the last two or three years? Yeah. So um, we talk about this in law enforcement um, parlance um, as as an after action review. Right. That's mm-hmm. a military term. Yep. Um, you know, we look at what happened and we look at where the where the failure in the system and not to not to not to anesthetize this and and, and, and speak about things in, in systems because two lives were lost and three people were wounded. But we have to look at where the failure was. What didn't we do right? And you know, Matt, and this is something that's probably right up your alley in your business. Technology is evolving and law enforcement sometimes is, you know, there's, there's an old saying in the military, generals are always guilty of fighting the last war. And I think that that is a real palpable um, issue that we have in law enforcement. We look at it, we're like, here's how we've always done it. I mean, that's what we did in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties and the aughts. So that's got to work now. People have, you know, when, when I was a SWAT team leader and I was putting together a plan, I had to worry about peepholes, not peephole cameras, right? peepholes. Somebody had a little thing with a peephole in it. You had to worry about, can they see you? Now people have security systems for 50 bucks. You know, they can put in a doorbell camera or whatever. And that's what happened here. That's my understanding. What happened is this guy tracked them from the street to the creep up to the door and just fired blindly through the door. So do we need to evolve? Your question was, will there be changes I, I think if we don't, we're negligent. I mean, that would be dishonoring the memories of these two. And I, I didn't know either one of them. Everything I've heard is they were truly great agents and people. We'd be dishonoring their memories. So, yes, I think there'll be some changes. I think we need to look at the evolution of technology and we have to adjust. Right. Right. So, hey, Jim, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It's always just a, a pleasure chatting with you. When it comes to this stuff, man, you, you've always got your your view and your side. And, and again, can't hate the guy. Can be, you know, what he says makes sense. So um, I appreciate that. if folks were interested in getting a hold of you, what is the best way to, to do it? And please, folks, no hate mail. Just uh, nice stuff, please. <laughs> Um, they can go to my, they can go to my website, which is James A. Galliano, G-A-G-L-I-A-N-O.com. I've got a website there and I do speak in, I do a lot of charity stuff too. If it's a law enforcement group, right. if it's a military group, if it's a charitable organization, I'm happy to come speak and do it for, for nothing. Um, but that's, that's where I do most of my, uh, 
my connection with folks. So I, I truly appreciate it, Maddie. You're yeah. a good guy. You always ask the right questions and I appreciate being on your show. Oh, thanks for being a voice for, for so many people. You know, I feel like, uh, you're, you're one of the guys out there in, in the media that, you know, I think you represent, um, the ideology of a lot of people. And I, I respect the heck out of that because you're, you're putting yourself out there in front of everybody and you're saying the things that need to be said and you're, you're so eloquent in doing it. Uh, and even when, when folks come at you and I've seen folks come at you on social media and, and the way you, you're, you gracefully uh, deflect. Well, I, I don't know if anybody would ever describe me as graceful. I appreciate that. You have to do that cause you're the host, but, uh, you know what, Matt? Um, I understood when I first got into this business, this public sphere, that if you're going to be willing to stick your neck out and make pronouncements and give your opinions, you've got to be able to deal with what comes. And there's yeah. a lot of people that'll send kind words your way. And there's a lot of people who send the other stuff. And if, you're, if your skin is so thin that you can't deal with that, you're in the wrong business. So I, I try to take it all in perspective. The stuff, the nice stuff people say about me and the bad stuff they say, I try to keep it all in perspective. Got to keep us balanced, right? You do. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Jimmy, thank you so much. And thank you everybody for right. tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll catch you guys next week on the next episode. Thank you to special agents Alfin and Schwarzenberger for making the ultimate sacrifice. These are the true heroes in our country. Thanks to Jim for coming back on and talking about this tough subject. We also want to thank Crosstracks, Merlin Locate Services, Delft Point, SecureFBIDirectory.com, and the PI Institute for Education for sponsoring the show. Now, have you checked out InvestigatorsToolbox.com yet? Remember, it only takes 49 cents a day to unlock the future of investigations. So make an investment in your business and yourself today. Save yourself $20 when you use code PIP201836. And if you have a question or comment about the show, email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. We'll be back next Monday with a new show. So make sure you tune in and please stay safe out there.